Star Wars Action News is brought to you in part by Brian's Toys. At Brian'sToys.com, you can find Star Wars toys and collectibles from 1977 to the present. Brian's Toys has it all, from vintage toys and action figures right up to the latest releases. And when checking out, be sure to say you were referred to Brian's Toys by Star Wars Action News. So go check out the world's largest selection of Star Wars toys at Brian'sToys.com. listening to Star Wars Action News, your source for Star Wars collecting news, reviews, and updates, helping Star Wars collectors collect better. Be sure to check out our website at SWActionNews.com, where you can see photos of the items discussed, chat with other Star Wars Action News listeners, and much more, including information on how you can be part of the show. Star Wars action news from C2E2. This is Marjorie. This is Arnie, and we have joining us a couple of guests. Hi, this is Chris, Jedi Yoda 7 on the forums. And this is his wife, Sarah. And you guys, is this your first C2E2? This is our first C2E2. And so far, I have to say, I'm pleasantly surprised. How so? Um, it's just, it's a little bit different than Wizard. I mean, we're used to Wizard. We've been to, to, uh, you know, celebrations. It's a little bit more multimedia, uh, and you know they have a little bit more in the events and things like that. So I was expecting it to be a lot smaller, and it was pretty big compared to what I thought it would be. Oh yeah, definitely crowded. Pack mule, wall to wall. Yeah, not my favorite. So you're a pack mule too? Yes, I am. I am. I've actually had several vendors who said, um, "Can I help you find something?" I'm like, "No, I'm just holding for him." See. That happens to other people, too. So you're holding? Is that I'm right? I'm holder. Okay. And I'm the holder. So we could have a support group. <laughs> we should. <laughs> Founding member and president here. <laughs> I, <laughs> this might be dangerous for you guys. I have to say, though, while I think this year feels a little bit bigger overall than last year, I was disappointed in the number of vendors. It seems like the exhibit floor is bigger, but the number of Toy vendors specifically, toy and collectibles, statues, busts, that sort of thing, seems greatly reduced. However, last year, this was your same complaint, though, that there weren't enough toy vendors. But I bought a lot last year, despite there being only a few. You did, but I'm saying that it was not the same amount of toy vendors that we usually see at, like, Wizard World or anything Mm -hmm. like that. And this year, it seems there's a good mix. Well, actually, even comic vendors were kind of few and far between here. But there were a lot of, like, corset and kilt and tiny hat vendors. Oh, yeah, it was quite disturbing. The Ren fair stuff. Well, what I didn't like is that a lot of them didn't have, a, like, a dressing room or a curtain up. So you were watching women pretty much bare at all right there, boobies, head on. Yeah, it was, yeah, that was kind of What disturbing. booth was this? We'll head back tomorrow, <laughs> right, Chris? I'm there. <laughs> there were no changing rooms for a lot of them, and I saw people, like, putting stuff under their clothes and trying to do it. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it's funny because they saw all this. I happened to walk past a corset booth and just saw one woman trying to squeeze into one, yeah, and uh, it literally. just wasn't working out very well. So, Is that going to be your lasting memory of C2E2? Yeah, I didn't get a tattoo. I was really toying with getting a tattoo here, tattoo pavilion. Didn't 
ended up just holding off and deciding to wait. So I guess my lasting memory will be that or the smell is pretty thick this year, actually. It's because we've had warm weather leading up to the con. Oh, sheesh. Shower, people, shower. There was a lot of sweatshirts today. A lot of people dressed heavier than I would think for a con, and I think that didn't help matters either. There was actually one guy walking around in a winter coat. What? The stink that went past. Oh, Lord. (laughs) There's a coat check? Speaking of the heat, I mean, you had the Godzilla moment. Yeah, I did have to help Godzilla strip um, a man dressed as Godzilla. And it was really sweet because right up the front I was walking out, a guy proposed to his girlfriend. And it was really cute and sweet. And Godzilla's standing behind him and he's getting people to cheer and everything. And all of a sudden Godzilla turned to me and he goes, I need help. <laughs> I was like, what? He goes, I need to get this off. I'm really hot. And he's like, it's Velcro. And I'm trying to find the Velcro in the suit. And it's like one crazy summer with Bobcat Goldthwait when he's stuck in the Godzilla suit. Cause I couldn't figure out where to take off Godzilla's head. And I finally got it off. And then his only the top of his head was sticking out and I couldn't find the zipper to unzip in the back and he was with Cobra Commander who couldn't because he's got his hands of course, of course they hang out <laughs> it was just a mess yeah poor Godzilla he got overheated if only he'd been near Tori Tokyo I know I guess Cobra's a little short on their legion lately <laughs> Serpentor you look different <laughs> Live from Tokyo, it's Godzilla. It's a very surreal moment. But what toy vendors they did have, I have to say, I didn't see anything either really new or really old. There was one vendor who had some old vintage play sets and some vintage vehicles. And I mean, real vintage, not current Hasbro vintage. Nouveau vintage. And then one guy had one carded droids figure that I suspect its authenticity. Well, yes, because you asked him is this a Vlix one? You said, is this an original Vlix? And he just kind of stared at you. Well, then he, it turned out not to be a Vlix at all, but still the figure looked really odd on that yeah. bubble. It was Something was not right with the coloring on it. But most of the stuff I'm seeing was like 2002 to current and not even any of the future ways a lot of like still last year's figures going for 40 50 dollars a figure and the other thing i noticed i was looking for for you know a wedge and a gamorian guard just to see what they were going for i only saw them at one booth and they wanted 40 for the gamorian guard and 50 for the wedge obviously with them reshipping no one's going to pay those prices but as far as new stuff i saw one vendor who had the clone war style anakin on the vintage card i didn't ask him how much it was um, but that is the only new thing I saw. I saw some of the, the DVD, um, or the Blu-ray, I should say, stuff. But other than that, there was nothing new. A lot of older stuff. I saw a lot of the deleted scenes figures which had shown up, and they were wanting 30 40 apiece for them. And I was seeing a lot of the 2012 Wave 1 stuff and then last year's stuff. But, yeah, again, real high prices. The cheapest figures I saw, which are the Wave 1, which you can go and pick up, right now at Toys R Us and they were 15 to 20 a figure on that so I just, usually though you can find vendors who have it before it hits the streets and this just wasn't there yeah I don't know what's going on with Hasbro but it seems we're in kind of one of those shipping lulls it seemed like the the blu-ray cutscene figures were, were like a flash in the pan and I haven't seen them at retail but once and now we're kind of in this lull again where we're not shipping any vintage 
Yeah, wave three should be coming because they've shown up overseas and it's usually just a few weeks wait. And one of our listeners on Twitter posted a picture that he found them in his toy store. Now, I know it wasn't a regular toy store because in the peripheral of the fit picture he posted, I could see Power of the Force 2 and some um, Episode 1 figures there. So he was obviously at like a specialty toy store or comic store, but they did have them. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, as far as what I picked up here, I picked up a couple loose vintage figures that I'd been uh, looking for. Um, it's kind of a hard decision. One I'm looking for I still haven't been able to find, but even the old vintage stuff, it was kind of really not a lot to choose from as, as far as I could see. I found some, i got to admit, because the aisles were narrow, the crowds were thick, that a lot of times I'd find the vintage loose figures, and they're always, you know, usually in baggies and big Tupperware bins you got to kind of search through, you know, like totes, and I just didn't really find myself having the patience to dig through them for the three vintage figures I need in the rare chance they have them, and they're not that common, that's why they're, you know, the three vintage figures I need. Yeah, well, hopefully uh, Celebration, when it's just Star Wars exclusive, you know, it'll be a little bit easier to find those types of items and, and to be able to dig through the booths and not have to, to fight to dig through the rest of the stuff to find what you're looking for. Yeah, but at Celebration 5, I didn't see a whole lot of those kinds of older toy vendors. A lot of Celebration 5 was the current stuff. You know, you had General Giant out there selling their exclusives, and you had Hasbro doing the sales. They were doing the vintage figures at that point and selling them by the case. But I didn't see a whole lot of vendors like you see here that are basically local comic shops and toy shops that bring in these kinds of buckets of figures. There were a couple at C5, but I just don't remember a lot. Well, part of the problem is it's in Orlando, and it's expensive for people to go down there and haul all their wares. The Midwest cons, you do see a lot of that in more of the local conventions, and I still think Wizard World is tops for that. I do believe that's a vote for to be back in Indiana. For Celebration, absolutely, or here in Chicago. Celebration 2 and 3 did have a lot of great toy vendors. I remember walking out of Celebration 3 first day with three Power of the Jedi B-Wings. Yeah, I remember Celebration 3, and it just seemed like there was so much to choose from, and it was just overwhelming is the word that comes to mind. And and then Celebration 4 was a little thin, and, you know, not having been to, to Celebration 5, I can't speak for that, but, you know, 4 was a little, a little thin. You had some of the higher dollar items that I saw a lot of the vendors selling. Here, I was also looking for General Giant stuff, Sideshow stuff, and there just weren't any bargains to be had. And my feeling today was just kind of with the crowds and everything, if it wasn't going to save me quite a bit of money then I was going to just wait and I could always eBay it later. I wasn't going to buy just to buy and if they had a bust here for 55 and I could get it online for 55 at a different time I kept waiting and going through the floor looking for something that I couldn't find at that price online and I just I walked away with no toys I can't believe I went to a con and I didn't buy any toys. That's just more money for hot toys. Long podcast. I was going to say to sum up the the floor. I agree with you on the on the General Giant and the Kodo. Uh, I was looking at some General Giant. I didn't really see much in the in the Kodo field, but uh, for the infantry droid, someone wanted seventy dollars, and I just for kicks and giggles said, "What would you do?" And the best he would do is sixty. So there wasn't much wiggle room too. What to judge the con to sum it all up? The most exciting thing I got was a plushy Yoda to replace the one that's been disintegrating in the back of my car. You didn't find the Yoda. I found the Yoda. Okay. I bought the Yoda. That's true. You did buy the Yoda. There we go. 
<laughs> the most exciting thing I got, and again, very little wiggle room. I almost walked away on principle. A guy had the soundtrack of the score from the TV Ewok movies. What's funny is I walked up and we saw that and I said, oh, you're going to buy that. And you kind of chuckled at me. And then you bought it. He wanted 20 and I'm not entirely sure it's not a bootleg. If it is a bootleg, uh, I'm though, sure it's, it is a bootleg. If it's a bootleg, it's a really well-printed bootleg. I mean, it's silk-screened on the disc. It's not inkjet. It's mm. silk-screen top, but there's no copyright date. So I'm going to need to get in touch with some resources and send some pictures and be like, is this what it really looked like? I don't think it even came out on CD. I don't think so. I remember reading Wasn't it was very rare. Mid-80s, mid to late. It would be one of the first CDs. But it was not probably one of the first CDs, <laughs> not that movie. They were pretty big in Europe before they hit the States, but yeah, I'm stretching a little bit. Yeah, he's really trying to justify this. But I needed the music anyway. I. Why'd you need it? It's a Star Wars score. Uh-huh. Needed or you wanted? Listen, I was in a toy store the other day. It was a Target. <laughs> this is awful, Arnie. And this is like confession time for both of you. This... This man was there with his, like, three-year-old son. And the son pointed at a toy. It was Star Wars and goes, I don't have that one. I need it. And the father said to the son, repeatedly, actually, in this aisle, just because you don't have it doesn't mean you need it. And Marjorie and I had to stifle our laughter and leave the aisle. I'm like, he just doesn't understand. There's a little collector in the making there, and he will get it. That little boy is, uh, he's a little Arnie in the making, huh? Yes, he is. <laughs> but in this case, I didn't know I needed it till I saw it, and then I needed it immediately. But it's kind of a cool thing to get. I'm really happy with that purchase. It is the coolest thing because I just hadn't really found one before. I knew that there were some limited soundtracks for the Ewok movies out there, but I never found them. So I did get that. The guy then tried to sell me a bootleg, quite clearly inkjet printed bootleg of the Ewok movies on DVD. I'm like, no, I own the legal copy. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, last year there were a lot of bootleg DVD vendors. There were quite a few here, too. I, I looked through a lot of the stuff. There was the holiday special. and uh, That's the only way you're going to get that. Ewoks and Droids TV series. Also the only way you're going to get that at present. But And probably the only way you ever will get that. I did buy some art, though. There were some very cool artists over in Artist Alley. I got this very nice Vader print, which is kind of like the DVD cover art for Empire Strikes Back with the TIE Fighters coming out. That was a really nice piece. And Marjorie actually got a custom. I just picked up a sketch from a guy. He did a custom sketch of Jar Jar for me. And it was 5 bucks. It's great. It's color, kind of half color, half not. It's really cool. I collect the little sketches like that, though. It's like an 8 by 10 And we also got from him for $10 a very stylized Boba Fett on canvas. That's little tiny. It's very cute. It's very square. It's probably about a three and a half inch square piece. And he really was pushing it hard. And since you got the Jar Jar from him, and it was a cute Boba Fett. It was a little Andy Warhol meets the weird wavy style from the holiday special. 
And for ten dollars, I was like, oh, "All right, you talk me into it." I mean, he pushed it on us three times. It was yeah, like what is it, Mustafa from Austin? Mustafa. Mustafa from Austin Powers. He had to ask me three times, and on the third time, I handed him ten bucks. Yeah, it's the hard sell. Yes, <laughs> he was a nice guy, though. There were a lot of good artists here. Katie Cook was here. Tom Hodges was here, but. I've kind of seen their art, their style. I'm trying to mix up my style now that I'm getting into the art thing a little bit more and trying not to, it, just because I like somebody's style, trying not to buy every piece in that style but Thank get God. some various ones of different styles. Because sometimes you fall in love with something and then you have to have one of everything. I still stand by the fact that if I had sisters. One thing I noticed there were a lot of on the floor were T-shirt vendors. It seems like this T-shirt thing has really exploded. It has, and I have a t-shirt problem as it is anyway, and I couldn't find a single shirt to buy here, though. I couldn't find a single shirt. My problem is I have too many shirts, but I could have bought 50 here. There was a nice Marvel Star Wars mashup. It was Galactus eating the Death Star. says, tastes like Sith. That's awesome. <laughs> Pretty funny. Yeah, it was a slow burn. It was very cute. Now, one thing that I've, I've noticed is Sarah doesn't have uh, any Star Wars shirts, and she's been telling me she wants one. So we're trying to find her the perfect shirt. The problem is the guy's shirts just don't fit right. They look terrible. They're, like, big and bulky and baggy and does nothing for my figure. She's right, because the sleeves go down to your elbows, and they're just boxy. I've had a lot of good luck at welovefine.com. They have some really fun shirts, and I like their shirts because they don't shrink when you wash them. They aren't too expensive. Do you remember how much they were for the ones I just bought? I think they're about 25 a shirt, but for a quality t-shirt, it isn't that bad. I mean, that's the prices I was seeing here. There were some shirts that I saw that I'm like, I'd buy that shirt for $10. I wouldn't buy that shirt for $25. And a lot of the shirts here were in the 20 to 25 range, and there were a ton of vendors. Yeah, and... I really do love We Love Fine. They're one of my favorite vendors. They've always got new designs coming up. Their girl shirts are perfect. They're like, I'm a little curvy, and I've got a waist, and they fit perfect without being too tight. They don't shrink. The sleeves are the right length. You know, they're not the cap sleeves because I don't like those. I like it just, like, kind of between my elbow and my shoulder. Their designs, though, are top-notch, especially if you want to branch out from just Star Wars or some other stuff there, too. Well, the thing I like about a lot of their designs is there's some subtlety to them. If you're wearing a the mini faces of Darth Vader shirt that you get at Target for $10, everybody knows very clearly what it is. But some of the shirts they have here, like Jedi Academy and things, they're not so garish. I was wearing a T-shirt one time, and I noticed a lot of people staring at me, and I didn't know why people were staring at me, and it finally clicked. It was because of the shirt. It was little kids were, like, fascinated by my shirt, and I realized I was drawing too much attention with some of these geeky T-shirts I have. And so I am starting to really get into the subtle ones because I have a huge T-shirt collection that I wear regularly as well as the collection I don't wear, and it's a matter of trying to find something that if I wear it, the initiated know what it is and the uninitiated aren't going to stare. Well, the other thing that I find with t-shirts is that you want something that not everybody at the con is going to be wearing. And, and that's the tough part is, is you don't want to show up and see that there's 50 other people wearing the same shirt as you. Very true. And that's the case with a lot of these Walmart and Target shirts is everybody buys them because A, they're really cheap. I've bought all of them. And B, they're 
omnipresent. I haven't seen anybody wear the one I really, really like from Target, which is the comic book cover one, but there have been a lot of the mini faces of Vader, the Stormtroopers, all of those various ones that they've been putting out recently. And, yeah, these online retailers, but there's so many between T. Fury, We Love Fine, Her Universe for You 2 There's just so many coming out. But the thing with We Love Fine is there's so many different designs, and they'll do all different cuts. They're, they're really slow to order, though. I mean, like a month. Another good place to check is Stylin' Online. They have a lot of women's shirts, and they're really reasonably priced, especially if you catch them at a convention. They regularly have, you know, buy three shirts, and it's like 40 or 50 bucks kind of thing. Good girl shirts. Don't have any problem with that. I haven't noticed any shrinkage or anything, because that's the one thing is I hate when you buy it, and then it shrinks the first time you wash it. SuperheroStuff.com is pretty cool, too, and they always have sales online. Almost everything's 13% off all the time or free shipping. They have some really cool girl stuff because they have, like, hockey jersey ones that are cool, and they've got some vintage Star Wars designs. And the shirts I have gotten from there have been, like, the really soft kind. I love the soft ones. I definitely want something that's reasonably priced. My thing is is that when I buy something like a t-shirt I only wear it if I'm going to a con and I kind of want to fit in otherwise the stuff I'm buying is for work it stems from going to private school for so long and wearing a uniform that it was already decided for me what I was going to wear so I went from you know uniform to work uniform to oh I'm going to a con I need a t-shirt and I just don't have it and the stuff that's out there like you were saying I don't want to be you know the the cookie cutter and you are one of us now (laughs) Well, I will say that while the Her Universe shirts are a lot more expensive than the other shirts, the few that I have have held up through the washings and everything. Now, granted, like the one that they have that's the burnout tee with the hand wash or wash on delicate because of the burnout, it's it's very soft and it could tear very easily, but they are a lot more expensive is the only downside. Yeah, they are definitely expensive. Probably why I haven't bought from them yet. Now, here were two Star Wars product manufacturers, one of which I was really impressed by, the Bradfordton Exchange. Yeah, they have those monthly subscription things where you start out with the Lars Homestead and it's like $59, he said. Yeah, 59 you pay a month. And I remember talking about these a couple years ago. Yeah, because they were like the um, ad in the magazine. Yeah. The little paper that falls out of the magazine. Yeah, the... Like the people that sell the cats and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And like the little Princess Diana things. I remember being very worried at the time because I couldn't see them. I was nervous about the scale. It came with a couple figures. Is that additional figures sold separately? I'm like, well, how do you get these additional figures? What's the charge? What's going on? They have 13 sets now. And I have to say, the ones that they started with, I just wasn't so impressed with. They're nice. They're pretty small, you know, maybe four or five inches square and maybe another five inches high. But the figures have great detail. The whole thing has great detail. But here's my problem with it. What are you going to do with it? Well, you just make a little setup. I know, be- but it would be better if like, they, they look somehow good. connected and they made like Moss Eisley Cantina with the surrounding Moss Eisley spaceport or something like that. Right now it's just a bunch of random scenes. But they're becoming themed like they have a couple of Endor ones and they kind of go together. There's the shield generator and then they have some Hoth ones that don't quite go together. There's an AT-AT and there's a Wampa. But I kind of like the one-off ones like the Wampa eating the Tauntaun leg. Yeah. 
more than I like some of the other ones that they had, like the Lars Homestead. Yeah, you know, I, I noticed that booth, and I caught my eye, and I went over there and kind of checked it out. I think that those, the, the, you know, what you do with them is, is they're kind of cool. You can do little dioramas. I mean, yeah, they're little, but I think it'd be cool if you could get, like, a hall set, and you could actually set up the battle. And think of the room that that would take up versus trying to do a diorama with your figures. Yeah, it's a weird scale. It's even smaller in the ship size than the Star Wars minis, which were very big on their scale, being correct. Here, the figures are about the size of the minis. I'd say maybe a little larger than the minis, but the AT-AT that they have, a very cool AT-AT with a snowspeeder going around it doing the harpoon and tow cable, is incredibly small. Reminds me almost of the action fleet, the ultimate action fleet we were getting, that kind of scale. Yeah, it's it's almost like I have a snow globe with that iconic scene of the the snow speeder going around, and and that the snow speeder actually is to scale to the ATAT, and a lot of times you don't see that. So this is kind of something cool. So I'll be interested to see how it takes off. They have 13 sets already, so if you subscribed, you'd get one set every other month, and it's again 60 bucks a month is not a bad price. You are not starting another collection, sub-collections. Your Star Wars collection of the... No. You don't have any more room in your room, honey. These are small. She is right, though. I am running out of room. But they are small. Arnie makes a good point. (laughs) No. (laughs) Please, no. (laughs) On the plus side, it's just a single monthly expenditure. It's like a cable bill. You won't even notice it after a few months. So is Dooney and Burke. She's right. Or coach. Do they have a subscription fee where you can just... Yes, they do. You can get me in the Purse of the Month Club. Is it $60 a month? Marjorie. No, it's like three sixty a month. Well, you see, then we, you see, you can't even sit talk about what we buy. Then that just means you can buy a couple of them, Arnie. <laughs> exactly. One to open. One to keep mint in box. <laughs> no, you're a loon. <laughs> no, that, that's not the idea behind it. <laughs> when you're looking at these, they actually come with lights in them and i questioned the lady about the batteries because that's a big problem because you don't want corroded batteries and they just take three double a's so they're easy to remove and not like i hate it when they wedge in those like watch batteries but you can never remove them and then it doesn't work and they're stuck and then you have a disaster one word hallmark yeah those are hard to get out if you can even get to it. And it's a pain every year, putting them in, taking yep. them out, putting them mm-hmm. in. I'm so afraid I'm going to bust the panel or those little c- connections are yeah. going to bust. See, I prefer the batteries in those, though, to when they did the Christmas tree light plug-ins. Now, see, I prefer the plug-ins myself because they just unplug the light, plug it in, and you're good to go. Yeah, but then I always forget where I unplug the light for when I do it next year. The other thing was I'd always have trouble with those connectors getting in. I'd bend them. I'd, you know, break the lights. Perhaps out the boats. Yeah, this could be. But then again, as Hallmark once said to me, is it's because of all the Christmas tree light plugins that when I turn in, that plug on that tree, it just becomes this incredibly loud noise. And with the batteries, it don't have that. Once. <laughs> you know, when you turn on our tree for Christmas time, it talks. It's like a two-minute spiel. <laughs> when you have people over, they get freaked out. They're like, "What is that?" <laughs> It's just a tree, don't worry. Yeah, the cat goes running. Yeah. <laughs> the other manufacturer here was Diamond Select Toys, and they had a couple of bust banks out, just a couple. But I did get a chance to talk to Zach Oat at Diamond Select Toys. You may know him from his time at Toy Fair Magazine. Yeah, I always saw his face pasted on yes, other toys' bodies. Uh-huh. Well, it's just on toys' bodies, not other toys, because he's not a toy. Let's just go to the interview. <laughs> 
We're here with Zach Odes of Diamond Select Toys. Hello, sir. Hello. Thanks for coming by. And we're taking a look at your booth, and you guys have been doing Star Wars toys for quite a while, Star Wars collectibles. On display here, you've got some of your mini bust banks. Yes. Uh, they're vinyl, uh, nine-inch scale uh, bust banks, and uh, we're finally going to be putting out the uh, Commander Cody that we showed a while back, and uh, we are also going to be doing some designs specifically based on Clone Wars, um, kicking off with Anakin Skywalker. That one's going to be coming out uh, later on in the year. Uh, both of them would probably be out in the fall of 2012. Now, talking about the banks, to go back a little ways, I remember in Toy Fair of last year, there were four different colored clones that were talked about as like a traveling exclusive or a Comic-Con exclusive at four different locations that I've had a lot of our listeners, we talked about that back in February of last year, and they keep writing to me asking what status is on that. Uh, I don't believe that those clones are happening now. At one point, we had looked into doing them as different retailer exclusives, but I don't think that, that those are happening either. Uh, that said, uh, Star Wars fans should look for us at the conventions this summer, at San Diego Comic-Con and at Star Wars Celebration, because we actually will have some exclusives at those shows from our, our Bust Bank line that you should definitely check out, uh, traveling paint variations that I think will, people will be very happy about. Very cool. And continuing with the Star Wars line, you're kind of branching out to a new area with the license and some bottle openers? Yes, we've uh, we've had some great success with the Marvel bottle openers, so we're going to do Star Wars ones. Um, the Millennium Falcon bottle opener and the Death Star bottle opener are the first two, but we've got some other concepts we're exploring, and uh, you know, hopefully this uh, becomes a great you know uh, countertop item for retailers. You know, that they can uh, they can sell alongside their you know Star Trek pizza cutters, uh, which I'm sure many people have seen. Uh, um, and uh, they're just a lot of fun, and they're going to be solid metal, and they, they got a nice weight to them. They're just a great collectible, just a good-looking piece in general. Yeah, I love where you have the bottle opener. It's at the laser area of the Death Star. Yes, the the la the, the the laser uh, that circle where the laser is on the Death Star is the, the bottle opener part, and there actually will be a magnet on the back of the Death Star, so you can hang it on your refrigerator. Very cool. And I know that Diamond has tried some various other things with the Star Wars license. You had the quarter-scale figures going for a while there and some other things. Are there any other Star Wars products in the future from Diamond Select Toys? I don't know that we have any um, specific products slated. Um, we have looked into some different categories that we are uh, pitching concepts on, um, but I don't think anything has been approved yet. Um, the Ultimate Quarter Scale, well, we had a lot of fun with that line while it lasted, um, and um, we're hoping to use the vinyl line to maybe uh, complement the Ultimate Quarter Scale collection. So even though we can't do those figures, we can give you characters who are going to fit into your collection uh, via the vinyl bus bank line so that, you know, uh, to, just as something to, 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 to not only make the vinyl bus bank line very more interesting, but also to, um, to you know, help out the collectors who have a great, an Ultimate Quarter Scale collection are looking to add to it. Well, great. Thank you very much for your time, and we'll see you at San Diego in celebration. We'll see you there. Those bottle openers look pretty cool. Those look like really heavy metal bottle openers. I'm really impressed with those. And breaking news, I didn't realize when I started the interview that they were going to be at Celebration 6 and have an exclusive. Interesting, because they've not made an appearance there before. And so begins the exclusives. Yeah, there was another vendor tweeting about their upcoming exclusives too for comic-con they didn't say what they just said they were a buzz with it so it's gonna be a summer of exclusives sad 
moving away from con news to store news, I didn't really find anything in stores this past week. Hit a number of them looking again for the vintage figures we've been talking about. Didn't find anything. I saw on a lunch run from work at the Toys R Us by where I work, I saw one of the Blu-ray uh, cutscenes. Um, I think it was Princess Leia. So obviously it finally hit a Toys R Us. That's the first time I've seen him there. I've heard that it, everywhere else it's been Walmart. Other than that, nothing. In online sales this week, do you collect premium format figures yet? The Kodos? Yet. I like that. The Sideshow. Side no, yeah. no. I've, I have not got into the Sideshow line. There's a couple pieces that they put out that I've been tempted, but I haven't made that jump yet. 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 Why do you keep saying yet? Because if, if it's a Yoda, I'm probably in. And there's been a couple that I'm still watching. If it's just a Yoda, and you're actually just going to buy the whole shebang... I need it. Sarah, Sarah, it's never just a Yoda. I'm sorry to tell you. The Yoda on Luke's you know, back is one. very cool in the premium format line. Yeah, there's that one. And then uh, it's not a, I don't think it's in the premium format line, but they've done you know some of the, uh, some of the other items that I've seen with Yodas. And I've been tempted, but I haven't, like I said, I haven't done it yet. Well, this week they put up for sale their Captain Rex premium format. And I think the pictures of that look really sharp. It is... A nice piece that has a lot of detail and, again, a great splitting of the difference between the Clone Wars style and the actual realistic style that fits in with the other premium format figures they've done. I can see a lot of people liking that. It's it's pretty cool looking. I have to admit it's, you know, it's not the, the Clone Wars style. It's a good balance, I think, between the two. General Giant announced some new pre-orders this week as well. There's a Death Trooper Deluxe statue. See, I don't get this whole Death Trooper thing. But you like zombies. I do, but it's just a zombie trooper. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, I haven't gotten it from the get-go. Yeah, I just don't know why they have to mash up. Minibus, you do minibus. I do. There's a security battle droid now. Now, you know what I saw? I saw that this week, and I immediately thought, we're going to go Skittles, just like we did with the clones on these. Skittles. Yeah, because they come in fruit-flavored colors. It's actually something I got from an interview or commentary on Episode 2 is when they were doing the different colored clones, they actually pulled back on how many blue, yellow, and red ones because it looked like a Skittles ad, according to the FX guy, with all the different clones. So they did mostly black and white, and they just had a couple of blue, red, and yellows and greens. Now, I think these will be cool if you want to put together, you know, a little army of different colors. But for me, it's probably going to be just one and, and done. The thing that gets me is at least they've sculpted new arms. It's probably the same body. I'd have to compare more than just a picture, but there's no real reason to re-sculpt a battle droid body. They're supposed to all be the same. But his arms are in a different pose. His head's turned a slightly different way. What about their... Jumbo Vintage, the 12-inch Vintage Repro figures. I haven't gotten into those, but uh, I see that they've got the, the Snaggletooth there. And I don't know how I feel about it. I've picked up a couple of these, both exclusives. I picked up the Boba Fett from Celebration 5, and I picked up the Vinyl Cape Jawa from last year's San Diego Comic-Con. And that was really more peer pressure. I was standing with Duncan Jenkins in line behind me, and we were snaking in a long line and talking about the stuff we'd picked up. And by the time we got to the front, I'm like, yeah, throw one of those on the pile, too. <laughs> peer pressure. But... I like the Snaggletooth. He was one of my first figures way back in the day, and 
I don't know. There's something about the look of him in the red outfit. Of course, the blue one can't be far behind, possibly a few months behind, possibly celebration behind. I don't know. I'm just speculating. It seems to make a lot of sense. That's a pretty good thought. It is. You're pretty smart sometimes. Well, you can pre-order those three Gentle Giant items as well as the Captain Rex Premium Format figure at Brian's Toys. And while at Brian's Toys, have you thought about the one of every figure club? It's a lot less stress. I have, but, uh, you know, since I'm kind of picking and choosing a little bit more, it's probably not for me. But I've heard that, you know, if, if that's what you're doing, one of every figure, it takes a hassle out of it. I'm speechless. But no, here, here's the benefit to it, Sarah. There's a lot less runs to Target, which means there's a lot less ancillary items that you pick up because you know you can't just go through Target and buy just the figure because you're like, all right, I'm already checking out. I'll get this, I'll get this, and I'll get that. Yeah, but if we go to Target, then I get to go to the other side where there's, you know, the makeup and the nail polish and things that I'm into. Well, yeah, it's just there seems to always be a lot of extra items added to the cart on the toy run. Think of the gas savings alone. Yeah, we've gotten to the point now where we just drive up to the store and I let him out and go park. And then he texts me and says, I'm coming out. So I go back up to the door and pick him up. Well, if you're not in the one of every figure club, if you want to just order the individual waves, he has ready to go waves two and three of the Clone Wars for this year. So you get the Isla Sakura, Captain Rex, Republic Commando Boss, and Obi-Wan Kenobi. And the boss looks boss. And on that note, good night, Arnie. <laughs> And then they also have Wave 3 with Ahsoka in scuba gear, a very cool kind of albino-y super battle droid, and Clone Commander Wolf. Those are all available right now at Brian's Toys. And remember, when checking out at Brian's Toys, Chris, please be sure to mention that you're referred to them by Star Wars Action News. Well played. <laughs> And now, while Sarah continues to beat Chris, we'll go to Brock, who's going to be reviewing the last of the Fate of the Jedi series. This is Brock, Star Wars Action News Book Club Liaison, with a spoiler-free as possible, and this time I will be giving away more spoilers than usual. Review of Fate of the Jedi Apocalypse by Troy Denning. Review copy courtesy of Delray Books. The time for the final battles has come. Coruscant and the Galactic Alliance have been infiltrated by the Sith and Abeloth, and Luke, Ben, Vistara, and a few other Jedi are breaking into the Jedi Temple on Coruscant in an effort to defeat this lost tribe of the Sith once and for all. Meanwhile, a small band of Jedi investigate the origin of Abeloth, in an attempt to understand who or what she is, and hopefully in the process, find a weakness to exploit to defeat her. All that and so much more happens in Fate of the Jedi Apocalypse. We have finally reached the last book, Book 9, of the Fate of the Jedi series titled Apocalypse. If you have been following my reviews of this series, you know I have found this series... inconsistent. Fate of the Jedi was not as strong a series as Legacy of the Force or The New Jedi Order to me, because while I may not have liked every book in those series either, I followed what those two other series were out to accomplish the whole time, whereas with Fate of the Jedi, the purpose of the series wasn't apparent to me for way too long. 
I would be remiss if I did not reiterate that some wonderful things have been done in individual books in this series with great action scenes and strong character work and interesting plot threads by three top-notch authors, authors strong for Star Wars. No book was completely a waste of time. But the meandering pace of the series regarding its reveal of its big bad drove me and other fans batty. As the series wound down and we got more and more answers, it was almost a little too late for me. But I am glad to say the last third of the series allowed Fate of the Jedi to end strong. And Fate of the Jedi Apocalypse is the strongest book of them all. Now I admit that may not be a completely fair thing to say because this book is the last in the series, so of course we will get as many answers and resolutions as they can squeeze in here. But the fact remains that the majority of this book reads like lightning. On top of that, Fate of the Jedi Apocalypse has me interested in where the EU will go from here, a feeling I haven't always maintained throughout reading this Star Wars series. Troy Denning's style is such that you really feel you are in the room with these characters as they interact. The mental images in my head of simple scenes like the Jedi Council conversing in a chamber are as vivid as the blow-by-blow -blow account of Ben and Luke battling Sith in the halls of the Jedi Temple. This is one of the reasons I enjoy reading his work so much. What I love about Denning's characters is that when they speak, they always have something to say. There is a fullness to even the smallest character's dialogue. The interactions seem important, and I didn't feel like there is a page of wasted space anywhere here in Apocalypse. There are a lot of characters in this book, and we spend a lot of time with the backstory of Abeloth learning about her, but some notable character moments I want to mention in Apocalypse feature Wynne Dorvin and Jedi Basil Warb, or Basil Warb, I'm not sure how you pronounce that. They both have standout, affecting scenes. And even though they didn't have a large part in here, I enjoyed reading Han and Leia in this book. I thought the author hit a lot of right notes with their characters and their dialogue. The violence in here is brutal, typical Denning, and I like how the heroes get hurt, maimed, and put on the brink of death against such a powerful group of foes. We read gut-wrenching passages about knees getting blown out and gaping, oozing abdomen holes. This level of intensity was needed for real menace and danger to be felt with seemingly untouchable characters, some of which have escaped death since we met them in the first movie over 30 years ago. Interestingly, I was getting a strong Star by Star vibe from parts of Apocalypse. Star by Star is one of my favorite Star Wars books of all time, written by the same author as part of the New Jedi Order series. It is an epic book full of game changers, satisfying conclusions, new beginnings, and packing emotional wallops. And while I didn't get the same levels of intensity and emotional connection to Apocalypse as I did with Star by Star, the recalls to that previous work are unmistakable, and not in a bad way. They came most notably in the first 100, 150 pages or so of this book as the Jedi Strike Force infiltrates the temple, and particularly during the affecting ambush on the Millennium Falcon. If you have read both Star by Star and this book, you will probably know what I mean. It is no secret I have been frustrated with the Abeloth storyline for the entire series. While I can understand the need to maintain mystery, I think they missed a major opportunity with not having Abeloth come to Coruscant earlier in the series. That could have amped up the story in a variety of ways, increased the danger of not knowing who to trust. Imagine if she had been there since Book 5, manipulating the Republic as someone else or even masquerading as a Jedi Council member. That would certainly make a great connection to the young Jedi going Barvi earlier in the series. 
Yet, they went a different way with the character of Abeloth, and while we have been getting a strong godlike vibe off of her for a while now, here in Apocalypse, all questions about what she is and why she is doing what she is doing to the galaxy far, far away are answered. The why of Abeloth's plan, her grand scheme, what she is up to, I loved how Denning chose to unveil it with the Killix. It kept my interest. I had fun trying to decipher the pictograms he described before the characters blatantly explained them to me. In this explanation of Abeloth, Denning takes the opportunity to connect his Darkness trilogy, the Legacy of the Force series, and the Clone Wars cartoon to this plotline in a surprisingly clean fashion. While I am not currently up to date on my Clone Wars cartoon watching, I picked up that they were referencing episodes from the series and looked up what it was all about once the chapter was over. Given how this book and those episodes of the cartoon were being written at the same time shows remarkable teamwork for maintaining continuity and works in a way that Rogue Planet being connected to the end of the New Jedi Order series did not. The way the Jedi defeat Abeloth and how was well described. I especially like the play on time Denning used to convey how Luke was feeling during his battle with Abeloth beyond the veil. But I felt I was giving them a mulligan for the process of how to defeat her. How do you defeat a seemingly all-powerful godlike villain in a satisfying way that doesn't seem too pat, too neat and tidy? The result Star Wars came up with almost seems too easy for all the problems they have encountered the whole time with his adversary. And I felt shades of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV show and the Harry Potter series here. Besides Abeloth, the other villains of the series were the Lost Tribe of the Sith, by far the best thing to come out of the Lost Tribe was Vistara Kai, and her complex relationship with Ben was a benchmark of this series. While she disappears for a chunk of Apocalypse, when she is used, Denning takes the opportunity to round out how complicated her character really is, and he accomplishes something wonderful with Vistara in that you feel sorry for this conniving, opportunistic woman because she is destined now to love a man she cannot be with because she can't turn her back on her Sith ways, on who she really is. I really wanted this book to end with Ben killing Vistara. I thought they were setting us up for that in that first half of the book, but alas, we don't get that here, and I found that unsatisfying. Even though I understand why they didn't kill her, the idea of having her out there in the galaxy for more plot lines in the future, which gives great potential for shenanigans with Ben's character and his psyche going forth, I still won an emotional lightsaber battle between the two of them. At the very least, we can be glad she was not redeemed. We've had that plot line with Tahiri in this very series, and frankly, too many other times before in Star Wars EU. Denny spends a little time sorting out Admiral Dalla's bid to take over the Galactic Empire remnant from Jagged Fell, and while you can't exactly call them comic relief chapters, there is an enjoyable simplicity to these chapters that is a nice change of pace from the death and destruction of the rest of the book. Fate of the Jedi Apocalypse is full of great action moments and sequences, and my favorite was the ambush on the Millennium Falcon. I won't give away what happens, but it struck the perfect balance between the awesome action and its emotional weight. And we get to read how eight-year-old Alana Solo can hold her own in a firefight, and surprisingly, I completely bought it. On a side note, not since the 1990s Batman series was a secret identity worse kept than Alana Solo's. Fate of the Jedi Apocalypse is a good book. Though not a good standalone book, definitely not a Star Wars book you should pick up without reading most of the others in this series. Apocalypse rightly assumes you have read the other eight books in the series, and I hope many Star Wars fans read this book. 
I admit my problems with this novel mostly stem from how we got here. Apocalypse was the best book in the series for me. Full of strong Star Wars action, strong character beats, emotional resonance, resolutions, and some humor. Apocalypse ends the series well and gives us plenty of new threads to explore for the EU to continue for years to come. It's a satisfying read. Check it out if you've read the rest of the series. For Star Wars Action News and the Star Wars Action News Book Club, this is Brock. Now back to Arnie and Marjorie. All right, we are back, and Chris, you survived. I'm, I'm still here. And Sarah, you look like you're ready to start hitting me. <laughs> Arnie's a bad influence. And that ends our show for this week. Kind of a short show. Not a lot of Star Wars here. The only celebrity here was Anthony Daniels. I was talking to the guys at Diamond while Anthony was giving his show, so I didn't make that. But his, he had a huge line. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't make the show either, uh, or the panel, I should say. But his line was seemed to be pretty long all day. Chris and Sarah, thank you for joining us here at C2E2. Hope to have you back on the show again soon. Thank you for having us. It's been fun. Thanks a lot. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. You can find even more Star Wars coverage at our sister podcast, Republic Forces Radio Network, where we review each episode of the Clone Wars cartoon series. You can find that show at republicforces.com. If you're into Star Wars novels, check out the Star Wars Action News Book Club, where we read and review all the Star Wars novels. That podcast is at swactionnews.com. We want your feedback and suggestions for Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at swactionnews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at swactionnews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can be on Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415-508-JEDI or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at swactionnews.com. All materials submitted become the property of Star Wars Action News and are subject to use on our show. You can help support Star Wars Action News by using the affiliate links on our homepage when shopping online. We would also appreciate it if you spread the word about Star Wars Action News by posting about us on Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, or just tell a friend about the show. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on iTunes, and you can also cast a vote for us each month at Podcast Alley. Links to both can be found on our homepage at SWActionNews.com. For more Star Wars collecting, please visit YakFace.com and JediTempleArchives.com, and we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. The Star Wars Action News team is website designed by Jason, associate produced and announcements by Brock, reporters Jerry, Dan, Steve, and Justin, graphic design by Chris, and podcast enhancement by Barrett. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by fans showing their love of Star Wars. Star Wars and all the Star Wars universe contains is trademarked and copyright Lucasfilm Limited. All rights reserved. Until next time, may the pegs be stocked and the force be with you. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting.
Star Wars Action News is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2012, all rights reserved.